Listener Production. The creators of this podcast would like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which it is recorded. Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people are the first storytellers of this land. We pay respect to their elders, past, present and emerging, as well as any Indigenous people who may be listening today. Everyone relax, this is Tobot, I'm Charlie Clawson. I'm Will Anderson, hello and thank you for watching, but not watching. Not watching, this not is actually, actually watching, Even though that's a listen. joke introduction. <laughs> I like how you waited till the very last minute before you realised it was wrong. I Well, I say it regardless of yeah. people watching, and that was the joke originally. I can't even remember the exact origins. but I it can, was, I was thinking about yeah. it today, because I was thinking about when we do our live shows, and I'm like, oh, that's probably the first time it's appropriate for Will to say hello and thank you for watching, because... The full-length videos only go up on Patreon, so it's a very small audience, but this is probably the best opportunity. And then I was like, where did that come from? And it was the first time someone sent us a ChatGPT version of TOEFOP. They put in all our details and said, hey, ChatGPT, write a script for TOEFOP. And that was how you introduced yourself. Right. So I've I been sounded doing, like AI with exclamation, <laughs> I've been I? doing ChatGPT's bidding this yeah, entire right. time. I've been the puppet of artificial intelligence. Totally. They, it was just some kind of Darren Brown kind of mentalist trick there where it's embedded in your brain. Well, people are not watching this one because this is a very rare episode in the TOEFOP world, which is a face-to-face. And no soundproofing. We've got, <laughs> just oh, absolutely no soundproofing. And in fact, we're in the corner of the Airbnb that I am currently staying in. And it's fair to say, not set up for- Podcasting. Or recording quality. But And you know, yeah, there's some cre- screaming kids upstairs that you might hear in the background. <laughs> but I, we decided we wanted to, um, what's the best value we can give to our patron audience? And so we've been doing, been doing the 15 minute mini episodes. And we thought rather than that, why don't we just start giving giving you full episodes. But not only that, we want to make the full episodes a bit special. So what if we meet up and we do them in person, but just for the Patreon audience? Raw dog. Raw dog. <laughs> We're raw dogging That's it. That's right. <laughs> for the people who are willing to join, pay a little extra. Face to face. That's what you pay for. A little bit of face to face, no Spanish, no Greek. Little, <laughs> all, all natural. Well, unless you're on the $25 Patreon level. Whatever you want. <laughs> Yeah, so we yeah, it's rare that we get to do this. It's rare that we get to look into each other's eyes. We're doing it on my old Zoom recorder. Yeah, this is a bit like when the Foo Fighters they did that album on vinyl, oh, not on vinyl, on reel to reel, and they and they recorded like old school, no digital interference, no Pro Tools or anything like that. So that's us. We're the Foo Fighters. Yeah, we are basically we are the Foo Fighters of podcasting. Yeah. Without well, without the not the, more uh, successful the success than the thing that the had. <laughs> but apart from that, um, I, 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 I was in a previous more, more successful than Nirvana. Like that's a, I guess it's how you look at it, right? Financially, probably no question. Yeah. But are they? Nirvana's had more impact. More critically acclaimed would be. Um, but does that Nirvana. equate success? I mean, what is success? I mean, I, I would argue that Nirvana were the biggest band in the world okay. at the time. Have the Foo Fighters been the biggest band in the world? I reckon they probably have, actually. 
at various stages on the Foo Fighters journey. I think no, they prob- I don't think that's right. I mean, that might be skewed from the fact that I've also spent some years working at Triple M. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Again, you've been brainwashed. <laughs> You're some kind of Manchurian candidate. <laughs> you just hear the Foo Fighters like, you start handing the, out icy cold cans. Don't the Foo Fighters play every third song everywhere? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because I don't – I think you're right. They were, Nirvana were the biggest band in the world. And so, like, they define – you say grunge, you think Nirvana. They defined a genre. In the same way that, like, you know, I don't know, uh, Elvis with rock and roll or Michael Jackson with child molestation. Yeah. <laughs> defined it. <laughs> You know, it used to belong to the church and then he took it to pop music. It's the 30-year anniversary of In Utero this year. I just watched a Conan O'Brien interview with Dave Grohl and Chris Novoselic and Steve Albini. Have you seen it? No. It's really good. I think you'd dig it. Conan is a real music nerd. Yeah, loves music. He yeah. plays music. He's actually quite an accomplished guitarist in his really? own right. Yeah. Yeah, he's an interesting cat. When they were doing the final week of um, – the tonight no of the, the TBS show. I can't no. remember. It must I can't get t- confused. Yeah, he's done a couple of final late weeks. night with Conan. <laughs> Wait, so hang on, was, was it late night with Dave Letterman? Hang on, who? Hang on, tonight show with Johnny Carson. Tonight show yeah. with that, and then he had the late late show with Conan O'Brien. Yeah, and then he's going to take over the Tonight Show. He did take over oh, the Tonight and then Show. He lost that, and then yeah, the TBS came show back. Was called uh, Conan. Anyway, it was one of those, one one of those final weeks that he did where he got like on his favorite musicians and like would jam in the band with them. Yeah, uh, right. And when he's on the road doing like live shows, he'll play guitar. He played, I think uh, when I went and saw him in Sydney, he played guitar. Right. Yeah. Like Adam Sandler. Like an Adam Sandler kind of gig. No, not that doesn't do comedy songs. Oh, okay. Oh, actual songs. Just, yeah, plays oh, how guitar. How does that go? Great. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> like originals or covers? Nah, covers, I yeah, think. Yeah, right. Yeah. That's a nice point of your career to be at, isn't it? Where you can just sort of, like, you know, everyone's got a mate who, when you're camping or whatever, busts out the guitar and sings a bit of Wonderwall. And, like, you're a big star comedian you're like yeah i'm gonna do like 45 minutes of comedy but then you gotta to listen to me do wonderwall for 15 minutes i'm in this beautiful rock and roll venue yeah like i could i totally there's understand two thousand of that. you here yeah you know what when am i gonna get this opportunity again well tomorrow night in melbourne <laughs> so in this conan interview with the nirvana guys it was because it's specifically about inutero and it was interesting because they were talking about um, how quickly Nirvana got famous. Like they literally went from couch surfing to being the biggest band in, in like an 18-month period. And they were talking about this, the change in sound between um, Nevermind and In Utero. And, that, and Steve Albin, he's being very diplomatic about it, talking about Butch Vig's production, and he was saying um, – you know, he's gone, it's weird because, like, I think Butch Vig's amazing and we grew up in the same bands. We love punk and stuff and I've listened to all his other albums. But Nevermind was the first album of his that didn't sound like a Butch Vig album and it didn't sound like a Nirvana album because I'd seen you guys live. But, but you can understand why it was such a huge hit because it's got this really clean, bold sound. And so with In Utero, they wanted to go back to just being, like, that distorted, more punky origins that they had. I like In Utero more than I like Never mind. Uh, never mind. I think I think I like them equally, but I'm a bit more fucking cheesy mainstream than you, so I like. I mean, them. I don't get me wrong. This is like, I mean, never mind would also be probably in my top ten albums of all time. But I think Inutero is a better album. Like, yeah, I, it's more interesting. It's like it's a bit like Paul's Boutique. Mm. You can sort of hear them. Oh, this is interesting. You thought you knew them. You had them pegged. And then they've gone in a different direction in that second album. Well, well it's album. funny because I think actually because I, I heard Nevermind first 
But then I went and listened. <laughs> okay, so well, yeah. no, yeah. I don't mean first thing. <laughs> Like you went into First. the future. Yeah, yeah. I, I, that was. I said I had one time trip, time travel trip, and I decided ninety three was to go, go back and hear Nevermind first and go. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> no, because they had Bleach, obviously, which yeah. was their album before Nevermind. But I and that's no Dave Grohl, I believe. But I am not going to tell you that I had heard Bleach before I heard Nevermind. Mm. I heard Bleach after Nevermind. I went and found Bleach because. I loved Nevermind. Mm. And so I felt like in Utero felt like the best of Nevermind and the best of Bleach, like combined into an album. It felt like they didn't completely disavow everything that they had, you know, put onto Nevermind that had made it so successful, but they managed to incorporate that with like some of those elements that perhaps had been butch vigged out from, yeah. the, from the Bleach album. It's interesting because – um, Conan was asking Dave, or both the guys, I guess, but Dave was the one who answered, like, do you ever listen back to Nevermind or Inutero? And Dave's like, not really. Like, you know, if it comes on, he won't turn it off or anything, but he doesn't seek it out. But he was saying that the strange thing is, like, he's never pushed any of his music onto his kids or anything like that, but his daughter, who's maybe 13 or 14, has found Nirvana and just loves it. And he said, I think that's kind of where it exists. Like, for a, it's that... And that's probably when I first heard Nirvana, about 13 or 14. It has that kind of punk rebellion. It feels so kind of anarchic and counterculture and stuff. I think it's the perfect music for that sort of teenage age range. But if Nirvana had continued, they couldn't have kept doing that. Otherwise, that'd be the grunge version of In Excess, where it's like, oh, kick really worked. Let's just keep doing kick again. It's one of those things that is incredibly like, I mean, it's just obviously a thought experiment and we could never truly know, but does Kurt Cobain become what Dave Grohl is, you know, this sort of mainstream Foo Fighters, like, you know, or does he do what like say Tom York did or like David Bowie or like Prince or someone where it just became about like uh, more and more, you know, experimental art. I think the latter. I think that, I think he was very skilled at writing like, you know, sort of poppy, catchy songs and great lyricists, but he was an artist. Like he strikes me, you know, cause it's like John Lennon, all those kind of really creative musicians. They all have like multiple artistic interests and is decidedly, um, what's the word? Like anti-establishment or counterculture. You know, the fact that they had, Bobcat Goldthwaite opened for them on their first big national tour, you know, and they told that story as well about like just Kurt and um, Dave were big <laughs> police academy fans and they saw him at some radio station, their paths crossed during like an interview and they sort of bailed him up and were like, oh, you know, we love you, man, like police academy or whatever. And then a couple months later they got him on the tour and that's why there's all those amazing, like the crowds would fucking boo the shit out of him. He'd come out in drag the whole band had come out and drag and stuff. And it was just Kurt delighted in that. And so I just don't, Im I, I think he could have gone two ways. He might also be completely all right now, yeah. you know, like the jo Joey Ramone or Johnny Ramone, <laughs> the one that praised George Bush when they got into the Hall of Fame. Yeah. Have you, have you listened to It's Meant to Hurt by Kurt? <laughs> the, 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 you know, Embrace Your Pain with Cobain yeah. podcast, yeah. <laughs> Empire. Well, you could just sort of see him being, you're right. It's a thought experiment, but I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he was just, oh, like John, uh, John Linden from the Sex Pistols. Yeah. 
just loves to, doesn't want to be accepted in a way. Cause that sort of felt like where the trajectory of his career was going was he was less and less inclined to want to play the kind of game. Yeah. It's interesting to know because, you know, there was that, I remember in 2004 flying to America to go and see the Pixies at Coachella because the Pixies had disbanded. They were never going to get back together. The finally, like the original lineup Pixies decided to get back together. And I was like, this is not going to last. <laughs> like I am, I've got to fly to America yeah. to make sure that I see this. And then they just basically did not stop coming to Australia. I know. How many fucking comeback like tours have they done? <laughs> and now, I mean, obviously. How much know, money would you pay? It would, would have taken for Nirvana. to? That's what I mean. Like, so, I mean, does Dave go, do the Foo Fighters happen? Like if no Nirvana. Way. No way. Do Foo Fighters songs, oh, actually, do you Gro- know Dave Grohl's songs end up on? Does George Harrison happen if the Beatles stay together? Right. Or do is there just a George song on every album? Yeah. And is it? <laughs> <laughs> like that. Because it's like a family relationship, yeah. right? George is always going to be the younger mm. brother in that dynamic. And so it doesn't matter how fucking, mm. how if they went another 15 years and their songwriting mm. waned, they would still have the say because that's just the way it is. They're the I older mean, brothers. To be fair to Dave Grohl, there's a couple of like absolutely banging Foo Fighter albums, like you know, but mostly these days, a Foo Fighters album comes out and there's one really good track still, yeah, and then a lot of other stuff that just kind of generically sounds like the Foo Fighters, right? Yeah, not bad, but just not. So in a way, maybe that was the model. He's got like one really cracking song in every couple of years. <laughs> it was like, have you heard the new Nirvana album? It's That's amazing. Right. I love it ever long. Yeah. That's my, oh, you know, Dave wrote that one. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? I, I just, I, I got the sense from, because um, uh, I think Chris Novoselic, he did go a bit right wing, yeah. or at least he was a Trump supporter. Yeah, or, I believe there's or something definitely like that. something. But you get the sense now that whatever that kind of rejection of fame was or that distrust of MTV or, or whatever it was, it's all gone now. Like they don't – like they, they, they're happy to talk about it. Like they're goofy when they talk about it. There's no kind of trying to maintain the rage. I guess you just can't when you're a middle-aged man. Like who stays cool forever? David Bowie. I mean it's hard to stay cool forever if you live – for a long time, <laughs> right? Like, I mean, most of the people we think of as being cool forever, like it's quite a accomplishment when you're David Bowie and you've managed to continually be cool right up until you die. Yeah. I think Steve Martin, I mean, I know yeah. that he probably isn't cool in necessarily the traditional We're not talking definition Fonzie of cool. cool. We're talking just like their own person, interesting, you know, uh, 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 still sort of challenging still themselves, doing something different. Yeah. 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 I think it's rare that you managed to stick the land. George Miller. Yeah. Dr. George, yeah. who I saw, by the way, oh, did you? haven't seen, had a Dr. George spotting in the wild for a very long time, <laughs> but saw him the other night in like, oh, does, does he wear that bomber jacket? Like in his normal life, that leather one with the fairy collar. His, oh, okay. I'm going to assume his wife and his child. Sally. They were in the if the, if it wasn't with his family, then he was very brazen about it because they were in the front window of a restaurant that I quite like, and I was looking in. It was one of those moments where, <clears throat> so 
One of those moments where there's an argument for uh, only one-way glass. Oh, yeah, you're looking at in restaurants. Checking your nose. Because I was looking in because this particular <laughs> restaurant that I love and I haven't been to for a while, um, it only posts what's on the menu on a sort of chalkboard inside the restaurant. And so I was just walking by at dinner time and I was like, you know what? I'm going to have a little check out of what's on there. So I'm peering through the window, just like, you know, gormlessly staring at just names of foods and imagining how good it would be to eat those foods. And then suddenly I'm like, oh, fuck, Dr. George. <laughs> Did he see you? No, uh, I don't think so. I think he, he was engrossed in uh, I just finished family dinner. Um, that book, Blood, Sweat and Chrome. It's the oral account of the making of Fury Road. It's excellent. Like I highly recommend reading it. So it's just interviews with different departments and and people who worked on Fury Road and just how it came together. And it's like, it's almost as unbelievable as the film itself. Like so much is working against it. But the real thing you get out of it about George as a director is that he's very, what he does in the way he commands his crew and the people who work with him is he encourages everyone to bring their best. Like he's almost is like, hey, you go for it. I'm going to come in and make sure it's okay, but go for it. Like I want to hear all your ideas. And he does that at his, to his own detriment because yes. occasionally you've got someone like a Tom Hardy <laughs> who's I, got some ideas. I've got a million <laughs> yeah. ideas. Well, the way it was sort of framed, and Tom Hardy's interviewed in the book as well, is that so the way he shoots coverage when he shoots a scene, he, he's got it all in his head. It's all storyboarded to shit. So he's not going to run a scene from top to tail you know, so the actors get a sense of it. No, he's like, I need a shot of a hand touching the cup and then I need a shot of the steering wheel and then Charlize, you're going to turn your head and go, whoa, what's that? And so as an actor, you're like, but where? What's the motivation? Where am I? Where's my headspace? And and everyone lost confidence in the first like month of shooting because it just felt like this really disconnected process. It was very technical. No one really got a sense of what was going on. So they had to then show like the first, whatever they'd shot first, a sequence. And so everyone was like, oh. So Charlize Theron was like, okay, once I saw that, I was like, fool, I trust him. I don't know what I'm doing all the time, but he knows what's going on. So I'll just commit. Whereas Tom Hardy was like, I look like a fucking idiot. <laughs> and so apparently he got very insecure about not having enough dialogue. And, you know, is he looking heroic enough or is he just in enough scenes? And I think maybe a bit sort of jealous of the screen time. So George and his conciliatory matter said, well, why don't we bring in a screenwriter? Is there a playwright or someone you want to come in and we can maybe workshop some more dialogue? So there's some- he said Aaron Sorkin. Yeah. <laughs> some, well, some playwright from London who just won like yeah. a BAFTA. So they flew out. So yeah. George would spend like 16 hours in the desert and then have to go to rehearsal with Tom and this writer. And so Tom would just like ad lib for an hour and the, you know, the writer would be sort of writing things down. And so you sort of go like, he doesn't have to do that. Like, and probably not a lot of it got in, but no. just the fact, the generosity of his spirit and the, he hadn't, he has an understanding that I've got all these creative types here. And the only way this fucking thing comes off is this 500 individuals bring their A game because if one small cog is out of place, it could derail the whole thing. And so he's got this kind of confidence to let people do that and the patience to navigate all these different personalities and egos and stuff and still keep control of this fucking entire unwielding beast. It's amazing. I mean, there is another way of looking at that where he's just like, yeah, 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 let him do his bullshit. I'll edit it all out. <laughs> it's he's, like he's still not going to say anything in this movie. You get your play right and you improvise for hours, but I'm not using any of your bullshit. There was There is one moment where um, I think it's like a camera assistant because apparently Heath Ledger was very close before he died. They'd had a lot of meetings. He was really keen. George is really keen. 
And uh, during like a particularly difficult day where Tom Hardy's being difficult, like this camera assistant's like, I saw George just like walking through the desert, just sort of talking to himself. And I went up and I said, is everything okay? And he's just like, oh, I just wish Heath was here. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard – now, by the way, I'm not uh, doubting that that one is true because that makes complete sense. But I feel like when somebody dies, like a Heath Ledger – he seemed to be just about to commit to about nine different projects. Films, yeah. <laughs> like, should we start spreading the rumour that he was about to come on board with Tofu? <laughs> when did he die? Though? Wasn't it like four years before he started? <laughs> we were start, thinking of starting a podcast uh, again. Yeah. <laughs> he said there's this new thing called podcasting. What else have you heard him been attached to? Uh, it's one of those things that... It's like Indiana Jones yeah, or something. Yeah, I can't. Like any, I mean, any big property. Yeah, that's right. I did watch – did I talk about this – I can't remember if on the regular TOEFOP, but this idea of how movies have changed that um, – I watched this video essay saying that um, the reason why cinema is dying at the moment is that Hollywood fucked up in like 20 years ago when Lord of the Rings and all these – Oh, yeah, you talked about this. Yeah. yeah. And I reckon it's so true. <laughs> like the more I sort of think about it and the more stuff I've been watching, I'm like, there aren't really movie stars. There's famous people, right? But like – Who's getting you to the cinema? Like besides Tom Cruise, and even then he has to jump out of an aeroplane. But who's who's the movie star right now? I mean. Like Chris Hemsworth would have been the prime candidate, right? Coming out of Thor, good-looking guy, people like him. And he tried, you know, to do his Oscar films with the car racing one and the, you know, the Moby Dick one. Is Leonardo DiCaprio a movie star? Yes. Yeah. Because I feel like, you know, the new- The Rock, Leonardo DiCaprio, yeah. Vin, Vin Diesel, or is it the car? See, this is where it gets muddied. Because the, rock, is it, when, the Rock's doing original properties, is he? Yeah. The, but uh, you, but the, some of the things that The Rock has done has not worked. Like, so- I think The Rock's more line. plug and play. I don't know that he is- oh, It's interesting, though. Because everything he does is an existing property. You know, it's like a Jungle Cruise. Or is a, there something we can cast the three of them in? Leonardo DiCaprio. Twins. Vin <laughs> Triplets. Oh, yes. That's the long-awaited <laughs> sequel to Twins where Vin Diesel, The Rock, and I, Leonardo DiCaprio are triplets. I think that was mooted already with uh, Eddie Murphy. Uh, with with Eddie Murphy, Eddie DeVito. Murphy, and Eddie Murphy. <laughs> <playing>. <laughs> yeah. Eddie Murphy playing Danny DeVito. Um. Uh, when we're recording this, it's uh, – I don't know what date it is, but Matthew Perry died. Uh, October, October 29th. 29th. That's fucking sad. Not. No. <laughs> Come on, the ultimate tribute. any debtor? <laughs> oh, God. Cut that, Michael. No, you don't need to cut it. This is the Patreon bonus. Oh, yeah, so they this can is, handle it. Yeah, they can handle it. Okay. It's been a couple of weeks probably. Yeah, that's true. But, but also, it's a weird one, Matthew Perry, because – he attacked Keanu Reeves and you'll yeah, never forget so him. <laughs> <laughs> he deserves it. <laughs> Is that what you're saying? <laughs> you know, because I, I was chatting to Chambo the other day and he hadn't heard the yeah. Matthew Perry thing. I was like, oh, yeah, he fucking he went up to Keanu Reeves and everyone was like, what's he doing? And then like five days later he dies and Chambo's like, uh-oh, mm. <laughs> John Wick got his yeah, revenge. Yeah, him. <laughs> Headshot. He's not dead. Yeah. yeah, that's right. They say he had a heart attack in his jacuzzi, but yeah. it was actually a headshot. <laughs> he also had a headshot. Um, I, I, 
think with Matthew Perry that one of the things that is saddest about it is like I mean like such a iconic character like Yo Chandler being in France like you know and it's almost kind of redefined like or created a style of sitcom acting mm-hmm. that I think has been copied like he was I thought he was the breakout star well Jennifer Aniston's the biggest but I thought yeah. he was the the best of the cast he was the funniest of the friends originally right like yeah. the most obviously funny the most I, I mean, I heard somebody say once that, like, he when he was on Saturday Night Live, oh, Norm Macdonald had spoken oh, yeah, about the fact that when he was on Saturday, he, bought, he invented sarcasm, yeah. right? But yeah. I don't think he was a particularly beloved person, <laughs> and I think that part of that was that he clearly had some, like, drug and alcohol and mental health issues that might have made him incredible. Like, if you're super rich and you know, it's sort of, it's not in people's best interest to get you the help that you need. Yeah. Um, probably meant that he wasn't as loved as that character of Chandler Bing was. But every time I would see him in something, he'd pop up in the West Wing or he'd pop up in some other show. Like, you'd be like, this guy is great. Yeah. Like he, speaking of people who should have been movie stars, mm. like in a different world, like he should have been the, he just, there was something about him on screen that just mm. popped out of the screen. Do you reckon too, like, and maybe we're reading into it now, but there's an element of pain to Chandler. Like there's an element of, you know, that's why he's cynical yeah. and, and sarcastic is he's hurt and he feels like hurt. And you just wonder how much of that is kind of real Matthew Perry, you know, like he can, that's why he was so good at it because he felt defensive because he felt like he had to have the last word on things. I mean, even the human nature of when he was doing that program. Like, I mean, it became a bit of a cliche that you could flick to like random seasons of friends and see Matthew Perry get big and little and big and little. And, and like, clearly he was having a whole bunch of like drug and, you know, self-control issues, but still, you know, going in and making like the biggest show on television at the time or the second biggest show on television at the time. And uh, there was something quite human and flawed about that. Like that this guy who, in, in some ways was on the most successful thing in the world, being paid this outrageous amount of money, everything in his life should have been great, that everything in his life wasn't, that's the fact clearly that, wasn't great. I mean, I know it's it's a cliche, but that's the the, the, tra- the tragedy or what I guess is the if, – if Matthew Perry can't be happy with everything that he's got, you know, like then what hope do the rest of us have? It's well, always thinking those moments like that. Yeah, like, but it's know. also one of those things that if you're already – like – I think being rich and famous is like COVID in that, like, whatever. <laughs> it was made up by the government. <laughs> it doesn't really saying? exist. Yeah. It's a plot yeah. to get us all vaccinated and put microchips in us. Yeah. Um, no, in that it accentuates, like, whatever you were going through already, like, COVID made oh, yeah. it, like, more so, right? Like, you know, it just amplified everything. And I think that fame and money can have a very similar thing, which mm. is that if you are like already a troubled person, it then puts you into a world in which like easier access to the things that exacerbate your troubles, make things worse for you. People aren't, you know, there's no Mm. financial incentive for people to step in necessarily. You know, you get to do a bit more like, but also you've got all these other things, which is the fame and the being well known. And if you're like someone who's like, doing a bunch of drugs or has got bad mental health or whatever and that idea that you're suddenly on every magazine cover or everybody wants to stop and have their photo with you. And so it it just felt like he had quite a Mm. tortured 
like, I mean, it didn't sound like, I mean, when he wrote that book. Did you read it? I read all the excerpts right. from it, like, you know, all the bits that sort of got in the media, which were, honestly felt like it was 85% of it. Yeah. It's like the Jada Pinkett Smith book. I'm like, <laughs> I feel like the media's covered all the really good stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> or the Britney book. <laughs> yeah, right? Um, so, and I guess they would have leaned on the more sensational aspects of it, of course, like when they were doing those excerpts and the stuff that was in the media. But... I don't know. Like, I mean, I'm sure that he had like heaps of good times and, you know, love and all those sort of things in his life as well. But it was one of those ones where I, because I hadn't heard about it and I was talking to Justin and he said, Oh, did you see that Matthew Perry died? And there was just not one bit of me that like was surprised. Oh, no, not surprised. Like, it wasn't one of those, you know, when you hear about someone's death and you're just absolutely shocked. Well, uh, did you see the reunion? No. They did. Yeah, he looked not very well there. It was actually quite shocking. Like I hadn't seen him because I didn't, don't watch the West Wing or anything like that. And that's the, I mean, we talk about this a lot on this show because I guess we're dying as well. <laughs> we're all dying. But like when someone is mega famous and if it's for a particular movie or show, they're trapped in amber, right, in our, in our minds. And then we just don't allow them to age gracefully. Like we just don't. We just we demand that they stay clear in our memories like that. And I hadn't seen him and he obviously has been through his health issues, but he'd had some, looked like some reconstructive work done with his teeth and he's, he was Botoxed and he'd obviously like his management say, hey, you need to go get a tan, get your teeth fixed and whatever. And he just looked bad, but he also wasn't quick like you'd expect him to be. He seemed like apprehensive. And then when he did tell anecdotes, like someone on YouTube actually took a clip of his, um, of, you know, every time he spoke and they removed the audience noise the because, you know, there was like laughter and stuff. And a lot of the stuff he was saying was really sad, like that he doesn't hear from the cast a lot. You know, they all catch up all the time and stuff and he's not invited and all that kind of stuff. And he was making a joke of it, but it was clearly coming from a place of, of hurt. And so, yeah, then a couple of years later to get that news, it's like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, good fun Patreon bonus this one. <laughs> Kirk Kamein, he died. Matthew Perry, he died. <laughs> We're all getting older. Death is inevitable. <laughs> well, all right, let's, let's switch to a, a mystery that you can help me solve. Oh, great. Yeah, okay. This sounds <laughs> <way> more fun. Who <laughs> <laughs> killed? <laughs> no. Um, so, uh, so I'm in Sydney, obviously, to make this possible. Uh, when I arrived at the, at the airport, I went to use the bathroom. <laughs> and when I went up to the urinal, there was a clump of pubes <laughs> in the urinal, like a fist size clump of pubes. Yeah. How did it get in there? I mean, good. This is better. <laughs> Thank God. Thank God we have got, got to the pubes in this. The piss. <laughs> if you sat through the just depressing chat about the nature of celebrity and the inevitability of, of death. death. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's solve this mystery um, so we can all die uh, with no, with with no no unfinished business. I'm going to give a little plug firstly before we get into this because I have read in the last couple of days. You've come to the right place. I've read two mystery novels. Okay, great. In the last two days, and they were both by the same person. Have you read a novel in a day? Yeah, I've read two. What well, two Fucking back hell. to back? That's, is that like a world record? 
That's a I'm going for the Guinness World Record. I cannot read a novel in a day. I think the fastest I've read a novel is maybe a week. Yeah, well, okay. Are so you actually reading it or are you just skimming it? Like you, like Ray yeah, I'm doing MS readathons. <laughs> <laughs> you keep turning up to a primary school. They're like, Mr. Anderson, this is just for the students. I'm dominating. Yeah. <laughs> Got up to some three-year-old. It's <laughs> like Push in your in. face. <laughs> I'm, you get War MS. and peace, motherfucker. <laughs> Boom. Uh, I am staying in an Airbnb. See and spot run, see will dominate. I have decided one of the things that I was going to do while I was here at night instead of turning I, – I don't think the television here probably has the range of apps and, and I could set it all up and do all those things, of course. But I like this. It's I, a bit of discipline. I thought, you know what? It's a good opportunity. I've got a stack of books that I really want to get to. I'm just going to like in my downtime, like at night before like bed or whatever. So I've just been doing that thing of like, oh, it's 7.30, 8 o'clock. I'm just going to like go to bed and like read until, you know, I go to sleep sort of thing. And normally that gets me about two-thirds of the way through a book in that. And that means that then I def like I have to finish yeah. the so the next day, like I'll go to lunch or whatever and like, you know, finish the rest of the book because like you're already invested enough at the two thirds mark that you and but anyway, these two books that I read, well, the reason I read them both back to back was that they're both by the same author and like one is sort of a sequel to the other one. So um I'd actually bought the second one, not knowing that the first one existed. And then immediately realised as I was reading the second one that there was one beforehand. So then went and bought the first one, therefore, like that I had them both ready to go. So um, they're by a comedian from Australia. His name's Benjamin Stevenson. He's in a group called the Stevenson Experience right. uh, with his brother. And um, uh, he's based out of Canberra. And he's, yeah, so he's written these two books. One's called Everyone in My Family is. Everyone in my family has killed someone. Right. And the other one is called Everyone on This Train is a Suspect. Is, are they comedy mystery? So the best way I could describe them is that if an Agatha Christie, like, you know, whodunit was narrated by um, Deadpool. Okay. Now, it's not as funny as Deadpool, but it's yeah. got that. It's Look first, at my balls. It's first person. <laughs> Shout out to Weekly Planet. <laughs> and very much in the way of going, hey, this is the sort of book this is. Right, and okay. all the, the murderer so has to be. it's a little be, bit meta. Yeah. yeah and cool. so it's like, you know, because the, the, the main character is a person who, this is giving nothing away, is a person who writes how to write mystery novels. <laughs> okay, that's real matter. As like a, <laughs> as like for uh, Amazon or whatever, yeah. right? Like, you know, so if you're a person who wants to write it, so they then go on a family holiday where there's like in this collective family, there's a murder and there's a collective family trauma and it's like played out like, but it's all sort of done in, like you said, a meta style where he's speaking directly to the audience saying, Six people die in this. I'm not going to lie to you at any stage. The murders, ha- if you're just here for the murders, they happen on page this, this, <laughs> and this. Like, you know what I mean? Like, That's great. It's done like that, yeah. speaking. But then the actual mystery itself really, like it's one of those great things where the mystery, he tells you what the mystery is, but there's still enough mystery that it doesn't give you everything. To, like, you know, it's, it's really well That's done. That's cool. And then so the sequel is set on a train, like, you know, Murder on the Orient Express style, but it's the Garn in Australia, and it's a writer's convention. So he's written a book about the the, f- the first book exists, right? In the And so in the second one, he's at this writer's you know, convention where 
you know, to promote this book on this train where a murder happens and then, like, you know, it happens. So it's they're both really readable, really well written, yeah, super. Yeah. So anyway, plug read what? some mysteries. Right. <laughs> so, okay. So you are you are Professor Pissro. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Inspector Pissro. And uh, you're going to – you've arrived at the crime scene. It's taped off. There's cops everywhere. I'm the, I'm the chief of police. I'm like, uh, thank you, Inspector, for, for coming down. Um, we had uh, a male, 45 years old, uh, at 2.15, was in this bathroom, went to use the urinal but stopped because he saw this clump of dark pubes. Do you want to go in and have a look? I do. Well, firstly, here's what we're going to do. Yeah. Lock the doors. We've got to check everyone's pubes. <laughs> It's an airport. We can't do that. Stop the planes. No. Lock the no. doors. <laughs> Get out. <laughs> all right. So you've got me there. The chief of police has yeah. helped me aside. And, okay, let's, I'll give you How, all the people who are in the bathroom at the yeah, time. Yeah, that's good. That, tell me who was there at the time. Okay. So there was me. There was like a sort of bigger, like really Aussie look, Queenslander looking dude, you know, have one of those shiny fishing polos on yeah. that guys wear fishing. The one uh-huh. They have like a, ba- a bass on it. Yeah. Um, sort of chubby red faced, but he was kind of behind me. There was a younger, more hipster dude with spectacles mm-hmm. washing his hands. He looked like he was, he looked French. I don't uh-huh. know how to explain that. I mean, he's my likely Gross. suspect so far. <laughs> Fucking disgusting. Body hair everywhere. Yeah. The French. Well, yeah, he had dark eggs, mm. he had a little wispy beard uh-huh. and stuff. And then I don't know. There's- Maybe he had a full beard previously and yeah. it wasn't pubes. It was like some sort of. No, they looked pubish. And were they clumped together? Yeah, so they were longer than beard hair uh-huh. and it was clumped. Like, yeah, it literally looked. How if- big? Describe fist, how. Size fist of my fist. full of pubes. That's yeah. the name of the book. <laughs> <laughs> and the little Sergio Leone classic, A Fistful of Pubes. Um, yeah, so they were kind um. of like. I'd say, I mean, they could have been, oh, maybe it's a Tyler Durden moment. They could have been my pubes because they were sort of, there's a little bits of grey in them. So there wasn't a kid's pube, wasn't a young guy's pubes, but so much of it. So, because, all right, you, you go to the bathroom, you pull down your pants to wee, like pubes don't just fall out like that many. When my granddad, my granddad was bald when I was growing up and one day we were talking about the fact that uh, going bald is, it's hereditary on your mother's side. And so this is my mother's dad. So he was bald all my life, like, you know, just completely sort of, you know, shiny head, you know, bald. And so off, like, you know, as you know, I've got like you know, a full, so as, as literally the makeup person at work the other day said, your hair's so thick. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I hope you're using a double C there. And, but I've got quite a good head of hair, but I worried about the fact that I was going to lose all my hair. And mum was like, well, we don't actually know when it comes to the family because your her dad, my granddad, he had lost his hair in the war, like as a result oh, of like a stress thing. Yeah. Right. yeah. And so like, had a, like there was some sort of shock or some sort of like, you know, thing and all well, his hair fell out. He got really scared and it all flew out. Yeah. So what <laughs> I'm saying is, is there off. a chance that this <laughs> is what has happened? <laughs> <laughs> a guy got, you scared his pubes off? Yeah. So he's taken it, like, as you said, like, 
there's like, you know, the guy's taken down his pants. Say it's the French guy, little yeah. French guy. Yeah. He's got up there on the urinal ready to go. Uh, oh, is this a trough urinal no, or these single, individual single? single receptacle. Okay. So he's in there, the little French guy. Yeah. He's about, he, like, even this is new for him because the French, you know, they just wee on the street normally. <laughs> but, <laughs> do they? <laughs> yeah, wee wee. It's a very. <laughs> oh, right, of course. Now it makes sense. <laughs> and so um, the, he's there having a little wee. Yeah. And uh, then the fisherman, uh, oh, the, the guy the in the fishing, yeah, the big yeah. guy in the, the fishing, bass yeah. the bass top, comes up behind him and just whispers, that's a lovely worm. I'd love to use that worm for bait. <laughs> I don't think that's shocking enough to make your pubes fall out. If uh, like a guy in a bass singlet whispered in your ear that he was going to use your penis as bait, that wouldn't. Not, I mean, it would creep me out. But, yeah. I, but like I'm thinking you like think, you more need to see like. Yeah. Like the librarian turning to the, the ghost in Ghostbusters to get like, this could be a shocking Okay, what moment. about Penny the guy wise. in the bass, like he's at the urinal next to him yeah. and he takes down his pants and instead of a penis, he has a bass. <laughs> <laughs> and it's alive. <laughs> a live it bass. Starts, it just starts <laughs> eating the urinal baits. <laughs> and then he just puts it back in his pants and zips up without a word and just walks off. I mean, again, if I saw that, I don't know that I'd be, like, shocked. I'd be, like, weirded out. <laughs> and we would have, like, five episodes of Toe Fox to Well, is about. there some reason, like, could you have, like, I don't know, shaved your balls? Kept them in your undies. <laughs> like, this is the thing, right? Like, the more you think about it. kept them in your undies. So, like, say you're in the bathroom, right? Yeah. You've got your undies and your pants on the floor of your bathroom. You've like gone over the the toilet or whatever to like shave your balls. Like yeah. you're, you're going on a big trip. You're maybe going to meet someone yeah. that you're romantically involved you in. Met so someone you've on decided hinge. to yeah. exactly Get right. Get those pubes. <laughs> so you've decided to do a trim, but what you've accidentally done is instead of them like all dropping into the toilet, like some have like clung to the other hair. You've not noticed that until like you put on your pants and they've come out. They've fallen out. What about this? It's a let's hypothetically say it's a dude mm. and well, well I, I think yeah, yeah. probably <laughs> no, no, it was sorry. in the men's That's toilets. Not the hypothetical bit. It was at the, the scenario of the men's toilets. So <laughs> the, the, I reckon we could <laughs> The scenario is gonna be hypothetical, yeah. not that specific okay. detail. So it's a dude who has met someone, a guy or a girl on a dating app or something like that. Or maybe they've just met somewhere and like it's the it's the person of their dreams. And they say, hey, I'm going to be in Sydney, but I'm only going to be there for a few hours. Come meet me at my hotel. And he's like, fuck yeah, okay. And he's in such a rush that he jumps on the plane. And as he's flying to Sydney, he's like, oh, fuck, like I haven't trimmed my fucking bush in ages. Like I love this person. Like I did, this is going to be real romantic. I want to – oh, I've got my clippers, but I'm not going to have time. I can't shave when I get there. So he goes into the, the – he, he's got his toiletries in his hand luggage. He goes into the toilet, goes into the cubicle. Mm. Why wouldn't you just flush it? The, why, why wouldn't you? The shave them on the plane. <laughs> <laughs> but like, then you flush them down the plane toilet. That's actually where you would have done. I know, but you can't be – in a thing. Someone's going to vibrate <laughs> in there. <laughs> well, they probably don't let you take your clippers onto the plane anyway, do they? Like, I don't know. Electric clippers, they could be used as a terrorist weapon, couldn't they? To what? Give someone a real <laughs> closer than close shave? I mean, if, I yeah. mean, it would hurt your nuts. Like, turn this plane around, I'm going to pinch your scrote in my clippers. <laughs> like, I would probably listen to what the terrorist had to say. I don't want my balls clipped by some terrorist. 
Um, yeah, see, I, 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 okay, he's not a funny <laughs> um, potential reason. Chemotherapy. <sighs> I mean, it would be weird that they would all just fall out at a clump in the airport, though, if you were, like, I don't know how. how It just happens. Yeah. So, like, you know, while you're washing and stuff. So it is okay. theoretically possible mm-hmm. that someone who's going through chemo went to wee and in the process of pulling their pants down or getting their dick out or whatever, they pulled out a clump of pubes. Yeah. That's possible. It's like another downer. <laughs> I've managed to <laughs> drop Bring back to death. Real fun chat back to probably because someone's got cancer. cancer. And but they, <laughs> they, they, they beat the cancer, so it's a happy ending for well, now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But we'll all die eventually. <laughs> Let's just remember that. That see that light at the end of the tunnel is coming for all of us. Uh, yeah, that, so that, I mean, that's the only one that makes the most sense to me because I just don't unless and look, maybe it's a very astute dude, mm. and he he can just pull out a bunch of pubes without mm. it hurting. You know what I mean? Mm. Maybe just every time. He, yeah, he, he goes, just said he just. I mean, it's if, just part of his maintenance. He just yeah. like tug a chunk of pubes out (laughs) (laughs) is that seem less likely than anything else i don't know because it's a weird thing too it's you know like if it's not a trough a urinal trough for those who have never seen or used one it's not a big drain like it's not like a shower drain even like it's a little filtered drain and so the pubes don't wash like it's a it's a weird decision to dispose of your pubes in a urinal because it's got nowhere to go it's just a big fist fistful of pubes like you would have – if you had to dispose of them, you'd put it in the dunny. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> like you would like wrap it in toilet paper or use toilet paper to make sure We've that it all We've got two mysteries flushed. here. One, why do the, why the pubes out? And yeah. two, this I feel like Tommy Lee Jones and the Fugitive. <laughs> Our pubes have a 12-hour head start. <laughs> uh, why did the pubes come out? And why are they in the urine? And they're all definitely the same pubes. Yeah. There's just What do you mean? Why, why, why are you asking that? <laughs> well, I mean, I'm just. The pube fairy's been going around stealing. No, I just mean that maybe like a fatberg in the ocean that like pubes attract other pubes. A so what? A, what? a fatberg. What's you a know, fatberg? Oh, is that like a, a junk Island. Yeah, like right. a junk island. Where did you get fatberg from? I've never heard that term before. Because, like, the basically all the oils and fats form into oh, these, right. like, so, ice- so it's not the rubbish. No, but it's a similar right, concept. concept. It's waste oh, that God, forms there's, into there's fat islands. Grease, yeah. grease islands. Fatbergs. Grease. Is grease a fat island? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ironically, not. <laughs> What about turkey? <laughs> oh, yeah, it's made of a real turkey. <laughs> um, you, all right, so you think it's a cumulative. That is, I mean, that is something I haven't considered. That, yeah. that to me actually Like sounds, a tumbleweed. You sound like a fucking one of those fucking know-it-all skeptics, like they get in like what's his face? Who's that author that everyone loves? Christopher Hitchens. Yeah. You just come in with a really logical solution and it's the least exciting but probably the most credible. I think that airplane toilets – like airport toilets, are clean pretty regularly. Yep. So It wasn't a dirty toilet apart from the giant clump of pubes. So it, that to me says that it's like one person's pubes. Mm. I would suspect. You're right, because it would take, yeah. the amount of pubes it was, it would yeah. have taken weeks if not months. Yeah. I mean, think about your shower and you don't even build that much up Okay, over. so what are the possible reasons? So chemotherapy, yep, 
or some sort of medical condition by which yeah, your hair falls out, like right? That. Yeah, Jada Pinkett Smith was visiting yeah. Australia. <laughs> <laughs> um, or that you've done it yourself, like that you've shaved literally them off. shaved them off. It did look like a shave. Like I've clippered and it does come off in just one big like cloud, pubic cloud. You can buy like. clippers at the airport. So if you had heard that there is, yeah, like you've got somewhere not knowing that like. It's a male model mm. on his way to oh, do yeah. like a photo mm. shoot for mm. budgie smugglers or whatever. Then it just makes no sense it's in the urinal. Yeah, Th- that's the bit and that makes no sense. And there's to be a bathroom sense. anywhere you're going. Like even if it's the scenario of you meeting your lover, because you could easily you go to the bathroom. Imagine if you went into the airport toilets and there was somebody just standing in the urinal <laughs> shaking yeah. the balls. You're like, I haven't seen anything this weird since that guy had a bachelor penis and had the urinal cakes. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, okay. So, yeah, because even if you were, if it was a lover going to meet someone yes. in a hotel, you'd just say to them, hey, I'm just going to have a quick shower. Mm-hmm. And then you just do it in the shower or whatever. So it doesn't, I'm, it's, I'm flummoxed. I'm wondering if I should need to contact the airport. <laughs> what do I say? I mean, they would, no, they can't have cameras in there. No, but they'd have cameras coming in and out. You, you could identify other people if you were the first person. Oh, then we start saw- profiling. <laughs> yeah. Anyone with dark hair. It's already a bad start. <laughs> people who have dark anything are already up against it. Well, let's not start scanning, scanning CCTV footage. I mean, is there any other reason that you would have – I still think the accidental, like you've got pubes in your underpants that you – did not know where they're, you've gone to have a wee, you've noticed that there's something a bit weird in your underpants that this, and you've like like kind of rustled around, fetched it out, haven't bothered going into the urinal because you're not like shaving it off. You're literally just like emptying out what's in your pants. Mm. I think it's too much. I mean, that, I just there's no way you'd comfortably walk, be walking around with that much pubes in your undies. In that case, but there, there must be your very, pubes have fallen out. Like if you're at 70- some stage, on, maybe there was like a, on the flight. We're talking about a shock. Maybe there <laughs> turbulence, was turbulence. Scared the pubes off me, right? Yeah, I mean that is. But again, right. wipe it in the urinal. Because you didn't notice that your pubes had fallen out. Because oh, they just you, tumbled out, and you're not going to go fishing your pubes out of there. Well, no, no, no. Yeah, but they, oh, yes, right. So you're on the plane, full pubes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's like turbulence. Yeah. Plane drops out of nowhere. Everyone thinks they're going to die. You're panicking on every other level. You're not checking if your pubes are still in. <laughs> Right? And I imagine the sensation of your pubes in your underpants versus your pubes attached to your testicles would feel pretty similar because they're still against the skin, right? Hey, Siri. Okay. (laughs) Can hair spontaneously fall out? Surprising reasons your hair is falling out. What causes sudden hair loss? Yeah. There we go. All right. Could you put can pubes suddenly fall out because okay. it's pubic hair? Hey Siri, can pubic hair can pubic hair suddenly fall out? Pubic hair loss causes other symptoms treatments. Here we go. Doesn't say suddenly though. Well, was that okay? What to know about pubic hair loss? Yeah. 
Pubic hair loss may be due to excessive hair removal, underlying conditions like alopecia, hormonal changes, and cancer treatments. Okay. Pubic hair loss is not harmful, but okay. Causes. These are the following potential mm. causes. Excessive hair removal, frequent removing of hair might permanently damage the follicles. Mm-hmm. Hair removal methods could lead to general pubic hair loss, uh, include waxing, shaving, electrolysis. As a result, a person who excessively removes hair from the pubic region may experience reduced or delayed growth. That's the opposite, mm-hmm. though. Yeah, no, no, no we're talking, back. we want like to know if you've got a full bush and it suddenly <laughs> falls out. Horm- hormonal changes, yeah. hormonal changes. Hormones are chemical messengers that control many, all right, fucking nerd. <laughs> we don't know what hormones are. During puberty, the increase in hormones called androgens trigger, hey, is mm-hmm. that your cousin, Will Androgen? <laughs> Andro- androgens uh, trigger the growth of pubic hair. As a person ages, their body begins to produce fewer androgens, androgens, and this results in pubic hair loss. That doesn't feel like a sudden. No. Okay, frontal fibrosing alopecia. Alopecia is a blanket term for conditions that cause hair loss. A type of alopecia called frontal fibrosing alopecia can affect hair parts of various well, on the body. Scientists do not yet know the cause of alopecia. How, however, some have suggested that it may be due to the immune system mistakenly attacking hair follicles. Okay. So that could be it. Symptoms. Most females with FFA also experience hair loss on their scalp. This is a female thing. Uh, What's not? There's some vagina related. No, chemo. We know that happens there. Radiation therapy, same thing as chemo. Uh, Okay, yeah, that's it. I don't think any of those are particularly compelling because they all seem to be gradual. This feels like, I feel like someone's either. Just say it's a really hairy dude, like mm. 70s porn star hairy. And I just reckon he just has got so he can just drag. Like when I brush Iona's hair, because she's got so much yeah. hair, you get so much hair in one brush. If this dude is just as part of his just whatever, he's just round his hand through his pubes and just chucked a whole bunch of pubes in the thing, just a gross dude. Yeah. That to me, or someone's shaved their ball or shaved their pubes at the urinal. I mean, that's this, it's the same thing, essentially. I'm saying someone's shaved or someone's ripped their own pubes out. <laughs> but I just need to I mean, know. Is there a chance that, like, when you say rip their own pubes out, it's in frustration? Like, have they not been able to? Oh, that to... is their flight. Oh, yeah, right. They're having a way. God, <laughs> I hear their flight getting called and they... That is because that's like, like a bit of a trope, isn't it? In a movie or a TV show, when they're showing that someone's like losing their mind, they're like tear their own hair, like a chunk of their own hair. Yes. Out. It's, a, it's a sign of mania. Yeah, so maybe someone was having some kind of piss episode. Right. Oh, you know what it could be? Because this last night I was uh, I went to a friend's birthday uh, drinks, and I fucking hate going to public bars when I have to go to the urinal because I get stage fright. Maybe someone was standing there, a big queue, and it's like I've got to fucking got to shock the system to get the piss going and it's like and that when he started pissing oh like starting starting a starting a a lawnmower yeah well no (laughs) put your nose out and make yourself sneeze yeah it's like i'm gonna yank out some pubes and that way it's the only way it can work (laughs) i mean imagine it's like a wolverine thing right like does it hurt when the claws come out every time does it hurt when you piss yeah because i've got to rip out a fistful of pubes every time i mean it is a mystery. Mm. It's a pistry. <laughs> <laughs> and this is no obvious answer. Mm. No. I mean, look, if you uh, – Is you're... there a chance that somebody's done it as a prank? 
Like, no, like you know, it's just a gross prank. Yeah. So what's the What's the point of the prank? I don't know. To you've confuse wor- people like you. Yeah, you've seen worse shit in urinals. Though. Yeah, like li- literally worse shit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't think it was a prank. I think yeah. I my instinct thinks I just think it's a it's some big gross guy. Is that something with an that you mentioned earlier about like you know racial tensions at the airport, like or you know. I mean, obviously, at the moment when we're recording this, I'm sure it's all cleared up by the time people <laughs> listen to this. There's... This will come out this week. I'll release yeah. this this week. No, that's what I mean. No. The, the trouble in the Middle East will have resolved no, no, itself. That's fine. By... Yeah, sort of. Yeah. But is Everyone there... just knock it off. <laughs> is there a chance that somebody was culturally identified by their body hair in some way and right. has felt like it was prudent to remove it? Before a flight, like they had a you know culturally oh, you specific face, facial like, hair. Oh, sorry, you mean head hair? Yeah, like, head hair oh, or beard or something that like has a pube-like quality, <laughs> but isn't pubes. I mean, yes. I mean that is potentially like yeah yeah. I was hanging out with one of my mates last night who's who's um he's Greek and he's got very curly yeah. beard hair, and so yeah, I imagine if he was like yeah, I just want to trim it down but again why throw it in the urinal there's like a bin at the sink like if you wanted to have a shave at the sink you would shave at the sink yeah or in a yeah why are you shaving <laughs> like, like is it, then you're shaving at the, yeah. you're shaving at the sink and yeah. then carrying it over it from yeah. the urinal it doesn't make <laughs> it any sense like a protest but yeah it does I, it's look oh, fucking hell man like if if people listening have any ideas mm. just you can put it in the comments we'll put it into the chat maybe, I'd love to know what you guys think yeah. what your theories are Yes. What are your theories? I would like. This to is know a great also. way to get engagement. Like this yeah. is what the this is what the Generation Z do. Will on YouTube. <laughs> uh, let us know what you think in the comments. <laughs> That's what I've noticed. <laughs> um, all right, that'll do for this uh, uh, bonus episode. Uh, thank you again for supporting us through thick and thin. We love you guys. Uh, there's gonna we're gonna make this a regular thing, hopefully. Um, uh, uh, and I think next episode we're gonna finally clear out the Patreon. Okay, great. So we can start fresh. Um, Live shows, uh, Melbourne sold out. We're two-thirds sold out of Sydney. There are still some tickets available, but they're going to go quick. So if you want to see us at the Comedy Store on November 25th, get in now. What have you got coming up? Uh, I've got some live shows as well, comedy.com.au, Newcastle, Sydney, and uh, National Tour is about to go on sale. So, you know, people can watch out for that uh, depending on where you are in Australia, but I'm going to come to a whole bunch of places. Oh, uh, Wyndham Fringe in uh, Queensland as well. That's coming up very soon. What's she talking about, Will? So uh, if people want to check that out, um, that's the first time I'll be doing that in Queensland. Uh, unexplained, explained, uh, episode three about the uh, most famous Australian UFO incident, Westall 66, is now up in the feed. And I chat to a genuine UFO researcher from UFO Research uh, Queensland wow. who's had first-hand experience with Greys. She's met them, Will. She's had face-to-face with Greys. Like Greys Anatomy? No, no, Grey aliens, little grey men. Grey-lians. <laughs> Grey-lians, they rip off their pubes and <laughs> shove in urinals all around Australia. Uh, but that's Dover. I'm Charlie Clawson. I'm Will Anderson. Yeah.